Hello and welcome to Three Friends in a Book. I'm Holly. I'm Janine. I'm still Caroline. <laughs> and this is our fourth book episode, but our fifth episode overall. If you take account our, our bonus episode that came out last week. Um, so take a look at that and you can check out all of the stuff that we were interested in this year and what we're looking forward to for summer reading. Have you guys done anything off your summer reading list yet? Have you read anything? No, but you gave me the Grisham book. I so did. So I'm, like, I'm about to start that. Yeah, I read that this week, the new John Grisham book. I read the Ruth Rendell um, mystery novel. That, so, yeah, mm-hmm. it was okay. <laughs> I'll tell you about it some other time. Okay. <laughs> um, and now I'm reading the new James Patterson, the oh, okay. Women's Murder Club. I'm going to go this week, I think, to the library and pick up some of those um, Sherlock Holmes books that you recommended i'm telling you it's good I, stuff i looked at some stuff online it was uh it looked very interesting yeah someone checked out out some of that i have started in on our next book for podcast and we'll tell you about that at the end what that is to keep you listening to the end now Ooh. but um so we'll let you know what that is and it's uh really good all right i thought i would start with reading some reviews let me take a look oh there are none <laughs> we keep asking you guys to go into itunes <laughs> and, re- good. and re- thank you yeah very clever i was like wait what <laughs> um go on there and rate us review us subscribe so that uh more people can learn about our podcast but just to remind you about what we do around here is we we pick books to read um, and to discuss because we really like the quote from Hannah Arendt that says, the things of the world become more human for us only when we can discuss them with our fellows. We humanize what is going on in the world and in ourselves only by speaking of it. And in the course of speaking of it, we learn to be human. And so that's kind of what we keep in mind as we, as we discuss these books about what we can learn about what it means to be human and try to learn from that. So our book this week is Into the Water by Paula Hawkins. And I know she came out, her big, was it her first book? Was The Girl on the Train, or maybe her most successful book to date. Um, And I know we all three have read it, right? Yes. Yep. And I was not a huge fan of of that book in particular. How did you guys feel about it? I enjoyed it very much. Yes, I liked it. Janine? I did not care for it. Um, I like I liked parts of it. Like I think that the backstory of some of the characters is really good. But I think feel like most of the characters in it exist in a vacuum. Like how can all of this stuff happen in their community? Yeah, not step in and help out at all. But so that was it. That's why it didn't ring true for me. Yeah. So, so that I, was. Go ahead. Well, I will just say, kind of in response to that, and maybe. I know we need to do a summary, but that that is also one of the criticisms of this current book to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think for me, the way I reconcile that um, is just that I think I, I like a book that that um, jumps into a situation mm-hmm. and, and kind of just gives you that and then and then jumps back out. Um, I don't know why I, I really enjoy that. And when an author doesn't feel the need to give all of the backstory or sometimes to create a situation where people care more than I think maybe we do in real life sometimes. Like I think it is true in real life that people are in crisis all around us and yeah, 
I, I don't know. That would just be my response to that. But, but you know. Anyway, I, I enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed the movie. Did y'all see the movie of that? Mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, I haven't yet. I'm, did she win an award? Uh, what's, her, what's her name? Emily Blunt. 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 The, the actress who plays Rachel, the lead in that book, did a phenomenal mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. The Practically the whole movie is a close-up of her face. Right. And um, it's crazy good. Anyway. Sorry. But um, I liked this book more. And it's funny because some of the criticisms of this book are just, are the criticisms I have of uh, Girl on the Train. But I don't, I don't feel that way about this book. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of interesting. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool that way. So this book has a bunch of characters. And so it's hard to decide where to begin to give a summary of this book. But I think most central is the character Nell. And Nell, um, it lives in a river town called Beckford, where she grew up. And she is there with her 15-year-old daughter, Lena. And Nell is writing a book about the history of the river in that town, particularly a certain part of the river called the Drowning Pool, where where numerous women have um, met their death for various reasons, dating all the way back to um, the drowning of 17th century witches in this drowning pool in this river in Beckford. Um, But she's also writing about very contemporary uh, deaths, like the suicide of her daughter's friend, um, Katie. And throughout all of Into the Water, there's this idea that the drowning pool is um, a way of dealing with troublesome women. It, that's a, an idea that keeps repeating itself throughout the book. And in fact, the um, Hawkins dedicates the book in the beginning to all the troublemakers, which yeah. I think is interesting. Yeah. And so the book begins when Nell herself turns up dead in the river. And her estranged sister, Jules, used to be called Julia, but because she has sort of changed her life after leaving Beckford, growing up and leaving Beckford because she didn't have a happy childhood, um, she never wants to come back to Beckford, but she comes back to deal with her sister's death and to take care of her 15-year-old niece, Lena. And Lena is a very angry kid and, um, you know, of course, mourning her mother's death and mourning the recent death of her best friend, Katie. And so all of the other characters kind of kind of spiral out from these three women. For example, Katie's family, her parents and her brother play a role. Mm -hmm. And then I thought we could just sort of start there and mention other characters and um, how they connect to Nell. We have the Townsend family, Sean, mm-hmm. who is the son, Patrick, who is his father. Sean's wife is Helen, and Sean has a relationship with Nell. So that's how they are connected to that. Well, so you don't know that for a long while into yeah. the book, because originally, in, in the first part of the book, and in fact, in, through a great deal of the book, Sean's reason for being in the book is because he is investigating yeah. Nell's death. He is a policeman in the town. His father's a retired policeman. And his wife, Helen, is the principal at the school where Katie and Lena attend. So let's start the, let's start talking about the sisters. Yeah. Okay. Because the opening scene of the book I loved. I love that scene. I can I can see it in movie form already. And I and I read um online that this has already been bought for a movie. Oh. But you can see that scene, right? Mm-hmm. It's a great scene where Jules is driving back to their hometown because she's gotten a call that her sister is dead and her sister has a teenage daughter who needs a guardian and so she's on her way back and she is 
ticked mm-hmm. off at her sister for being dead mm-hmm. and kind of doing this to her, putting her in the situation where she's got to go have a child when she has chosen, you know, not not to live that kind of life. And so the, I, I just think it's um, one of the most resounding themes in the novel has to do with these sisters and the relationship. It's family relationships, specifically here, sister relationships. And the animosity, the yeah. real hatred that um, Jules feels for her sister Nell, who's died. Mm-hmm. Holly, you want to say you want to talk about that? Well, I was just I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it here, and just I mean, she is that you've done this to spite me, to upset me, to frighten me, to disrupt my life, to get my attention, to drag me back here where you wanted, and here I am, having to look after your door. Uh, daughter and sort out your bloody mess that she is she's angry um but she's angry because when they were kids i know one of the things that you wanted to talk about caroline was the idea of memory in this book is that when they were kids um jules julia at the time was a rather large child and she was the younger sister of of Nell and Nell was pretty and popular and had boyfriends what have you and Julia always felt really left out and made fun of and they um, were really cruel to her very in some cruel. of the scenes mm-hmm. um you really see that it was it was more than just a little like hard time like they used were, her for target practice with a football yeah very cruel yeah and um had her uh, Nell's boyfriend spent the night one night what was his name Robbie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and they were um, Nell and, and Robbie were having sex in her bedroom. And we should note that their mother was suffering from breast cancer at yeah. the time and was very ill. And so the parents had left her to go to the hospital and left the kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Julia was up and it was that same night that she had been really bullied and Robbie basically takes advantage of her. She had had a couple of, what did she have? Vodka. Vodka. And he came in and just completely took advantage of her. He raped her. He raped her, yeah. And in his head, he's thinking he's helping her Mm -hmm. in some way. Get something that she wants that she's been missing out on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And after that, was it that same night that Mm -hmm. she went to the river, Jules did, Julia did, and tried to kill herself. And her sister pulled her out of the water. And so the whole thing that Julia has this memory of... This guy raped me. My sister pulled me out of the water, blamed me, cussed at me, treated me terribly. Um, that Julia thought her sister knew about the rape and completely ignored it. And even worse, at her mother's funeral later on, um, Nell says to Julia, "You that there was some part of it that you enjoyed." Yes. Which Julia thinks that she's talking about the rape, and it turns out Nell was actually talking about being Be- submerged in the water. Being in the water. Yeah. Um, but it turns out Nell has no idea. And so their whole adult life, what, for over 10 years, Nell continually called her, left messages for her, tried to reach out to her, and Jules um, changed her life and wanted nothing to do with her sister. And how that impacted their relationship. One of the one of the um, epigraphs at the beginning of the novel, the third one, is um, from Oliver Sacks' Hallucinations, and it reads, um, 
We now know that memories are not fixed or frozen like Proust's jars of preserves in a larder, but are transformed, disassembled, reassembled, and recategorized with every act of recollection. Um, so she sets it up from the beginning to be in part about the way we remember our experiences and how unfixed that is. Mm -hmm. You know, every time you remember it, you remember a little bit differently. We all remember the same experience very differently. Um, And as new experiences build on that experience, it changes changes. what you think about that experience and maybe even how you remember it. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we got to talk about that for a minute because it just, I mean, it gets you to that super existential place of like what, so then what is reality anyway, Mm -hmm. right? If we all... You know, if if our reality is our memory, mm-hmm. right, of of our experiences, mm-hmm. and that is just our perception. I mean, it's just perception is reality. Like, our perception mm-hmm. is, um, and it's not the same of same as yours, yeah. the same event. So then, you know, whose is right? Yeah. And uh, it's just our version know, of the man. truth. It's our truth. It's like, like I remember my childhood as this way. How does my sister remember mm-hmm. it? Does she have a different, you know, you know, a different truth about our childhood and and what she remembers? And that's what we see here with Jules and Nels in, in, in this in this event is well, not just memory, but a complete lack of communication. Yeah, I think that's really important to note too that. Um, they never talked about it because never. that the night that it happened, once Nell brought her sister home, she said, we can't talk about it because the parents were gone because the mom was sick mm-hmm. and Nell, as the older sister, was in charge. She mm-hmm. thought she was going to get in trouble. And so she said, we can't talk about, about it. About the drowning. About, about the, the attempted suicide, right. not the rape. she didn't know she about had no the idea. Rape. And so then, so then being the little sister... Jules didn't talk about it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's just fascinating that um, the kind of power that an older sister yeah. might, can and might sometimes have on a younger sister, even when they hate each other. Mm-hmm. You know, even when um, that's what I find fascinating about it is, you know, Jules separated herself. She left town. She became a new person. All of those things. Yet Nell still had this crazy amount of power over mm-hmm. her. Yeah. So much so that she never just confronted her sister about it to find out the truth, to say, you know, in her mind, you knew I was raped and you said I liked it. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, how could you be so cruel? She never said those words. And so mm-hmm. they were never able to clear the air and have a relationship that actually w- was based more on the reality of what did happen. Yeah. And all of that is happening in this swirl of tragedy with their mother's illness and their mother's death. And so you have, to, um, you know, it just seems to me that that adds layers to the, just how complicated it is yeah. to try and have those kinds of conversations. I agree. I, I, I did think when the book was over you know, would things have been so much different for them if the mother hadn't been sick? Yeah. So, you know, you put, you add that factor in and think how many people in their childhood have this kind of like insurmountable obstacle, which is what the mom's illness is for them, right? So they essentially are just kind of raising themselves. The dad's taking care of the mom. The mom is, you know, just trying to live, mm-hmm. is very ill. And they really are just, you know without a lot of parental guidance for understandable reasons. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. One of the other reviews that I read, several people on Goodreads said that there were no likable characters in this book. And I did. I liked Jules. I could kind of, you know, thinking about her and thinking about her her situation, it's frustrating just if she had just said something. But that's real. I mean, that's a very real thing that people do that, like you said, just an in, this deeply this event that deeply impacted her and how it impact, how it affected her life later on. And then Lena, how angry she was because mm-hmm. her mom killed herself. And now here's this aunt that has refused to speak to my mom. And Lena knew that her mom called her over and over and over again. And that when Lena and Jules finally had that conversation, that was to me, one of the happier parts of the book where they were both like, Oh, you know, realizing mm-hmm. what, why her mom and her aunt's relationship was the way that it was. Once it was finally spoken, um, I really, I really like that part of the of the book and, and I, how that's going to change. It changes for it changed Lena. I liked most of the people in the book at some point I or another. Too. Yeah, I, I find I. Um, I think it's interesting how we often, we walk around, almost all of the characters were walking around not really talking about how they were feeling Mm -hmm. or what was happening. You know, Mm -hmm. everyone was, it seemed to me like um, everyone was going through the kind of just, I don't know, zombie-like existence of, you know, and no one was really just asking the question, just finding out the truth, just talking to someone else about you know, so that brings up a couple of sort of um, extraneous characters who are in the book. Nikki Sage, yes, she's my favorite character in the book, <laughs> and that, I love her. She is trying to find truth, yes, and she's she is trying awesome. to get truth out, and is, you know, she is um, a for- fortune teller of sorts. Yeah, or? I mean, some people would say she's linked to the witch history mm-hmm. in the town. And so lots of people think she's a fraud and she's been, has gotten arrested and in trouble for um, uh, charging people to, for her services and telling their futures and things like that. But throughout, it's very clear that she is hearing voices in some sort of real way, yeah. that, that the dead are talking to her and that she is trying to fix situations. She's trying to get people to understand truth. Like she's the ultimate troublemaker in this in that like the troublemakers are people who are really just trying to get to truth that's it that is you hit the nail on the head because that's what nell's doing Mm -hmm. too right in writing the book Mm -hmm. trying to figure out the truth Mm -hmm. um and you know well turns out in the end sean is the one that killed her um because she was finding out the truth mm -hmm. in the end yeah yeah his so sean and nell have a relationship and and like we said before sean is married to helen uh, a woman who his father chose for him to marry because she was you know a good solid woman who was never going to hurt him and and sean's father patrick had been betrayed by his wife and so he killed her um so so there's this history there of um women betraying their husbands in some way or women being free with their own sexuality in some ways and that being um the reason why they end up in this river so but the point that i was trying to get to is that helen is supposed to be this solid woman married to sean but of course he then falls in love with nell 
and they start a relationship and Sean ultimately can't see eye to eye with Nell because she wants to tell the truth about Sean's mother's death. And, and he clearly has some memory issues. Like he knows what happened, but he's kind of been fooled by his father's story Mm -hmm. over the years. And, um, so, so he, and Nell disagrees. She's really trying to get him to tell the truth about what happened to his mother and he does not want to because he was six right was he six that seems right sean um when when his mother died his mother died um and he was told throughout his life that um she cheated right and she um in the end she killed herself and he keeps having these little fuzzy flashbacks of what happened that night and that he sat on the riverbank and saw her do it Mm -hmm. Well, was that his memory or was Nell? It was the story that had been told about in the community. And I think so much so that, you know, even though he knew it wasn't the case, it was part of. Which just makes the the mother look that much more terrible. Not only did she leave her son to go off with another man, leave her son and husband to go off with another man. Then she just totally abandons them, um, abandons her son. Y'all, that just reminded me about all of that conversation. This just popped into my head. So, so if there's if Nikki Sage is this connection to this past where women had power, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the you know the whole all of the witchcraft stuff was about women in power and suppressing that. Okay, so Nikki Sage is connected to that, and that is clearly connected to truth telling and truth finding. Um. Oh, I think I'm going to I'm going to have lost what the point that I wanted to make exactly, except that I think it just speaks to, you know, you mentioned Janine, the women and their and their sexuality. And that is um, to a certain degree. Right. That is a power that women have had over men historically. It can be used and and have used it um, it, in various ways. Right. Against men. So women aren't as. Um, strong or powerful in other ways, then their sexuality makes them very powerful, mm-hmm. right? And that is one reason why men want to suppress women being able to, um, what, be be open and truthful and honest and forthright with their sexuality, right? So okay. Something like that is where I'm headed. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's cool to have the Nikki Sage character connected to um, it, it reminds me of, I'm thinking of Chaucer and like when, when the church came into England and used, you know, the churchy rules to suppress the people's belief in what the church called mythology, mm-hmm. fairies and magic and mythology, right? And these, con- all of these kind of connections to the natural world and everything, which would certainly be connected to women and witchcraft and sexuality. So the natural world mm-hmm. is part of that. Um, then I think this, I just think it's a really interesting commentary that she's making with that character specifically in, you know, so she's just viewed as a kook. The reason she's seen as a fraud is because she has no way of supporting herself and no way of making a living because what she, what she offers, which is truth is not valued Mm -hmm. in society. So she's pushed to the side. So she's just, she tried to put her services online and she tried to advertise to do fortune telling and stuff because she has no other way of making a living. And so that then allowed them to arrest her. And now Mm -hmm. she becomes a bad guy, right? With a criminal record. Um, When really all she was doing was trying to make a living Mm -hmm. in the only way she could 
mm-hmm. which you could connect back to sexuality. Mm-hmm. I mean, connect it back to prostitution, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's all part of the same thing, I think. And, so I've rambled enough, sorry, but, but that's where I'm going with it. So I was, one thing in the book that I have tried to make sense of is the two young characters, Katie and Lena, play this game with their male teachers. Oh, yeah. And I think that gets to what you're speaking at, speaking about because they like to play this game where they, to see if they can sort of embarrass a teacher with their sexuality, leaning on the desk too much, asking provocative questions. And for Lena, it is only a game. Um, and I, and so what I'm thinking, what, what you were saying, what made me think is that they're kind of, um, immature with their power. They're sort of, they have it and they know they have it. It's not really an appropriate place to use that power or a useful place to use that power. Um, maybe I think there's something there. And then just in terms of like furthering plot, that's how Katie gets involved with the teacher. Supposedly it started as a game and then she and the teacher fall in love. It is. It's yeah, because it's, isn't it true that women as girls now it's younger and younger, you kind of come into this sexual sexuality way before you're emotionally or psychologically ready to know what to do with it or to handle it. And if it is suppressed, not being talked about, Mm -hmm. right. Which would be like the Nikki Sage character. Mm -hmm. Um, then what do you do with it? You don't know what to do with it. The the one passage in the book I marked was kind of about that. Um, Lena is saying, um, this is when she's confronting um, the Mark, the teacher. They're having, and she says, I couldn't tell him what I wanted because what I wanted was for things to go back to the way they were. I wanted us to go back to the time when Katie and I were always together, when we spent every hour of every day with each other, when we swam in the river and no one looked at us and our bodies were our own. I wanted to go back to the time before we came up with that game. That's mm-hmm. what you were talking about, Janine. Before mm-hmm. we realized what we could do. That's power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's only what I wanted. Katie didn't. Katie liked being looked at. For her, the game wasn't just a game. It was more. Right back at the beginning when I first found out and we were arguing about it, she said to me, you don't know what it feels like, Lena. Can you imagine to have someone want you so much that he'll risk everything for you? Like everything? His job, his relationship, his freedom? You don't understand what that feels like. And then she goes on to talk about Katie's power over him and how how much she liked that. Yeah. So that's something that you were interested in exploring too, that, that change that happens in friends' lives as they as they grow up. Yeah. I think that's that's a really difficult thing. We look at at Katie and and Lena, because I'm sure we all have had friends in our life that we, you know, my friend Anna, for summers and years would just spend all of our time together and do everything together. And when, um, you know, that friend that you have that you're so close with, that you love like a sister, all of a sudden, you know, finds a boy and they are taken from you, how that literally lives, leaves just this hole. And I think, you know, for, for Lena too, it was a struggle seeing her friend do that, but I think it also got kind of going back to what Caroline said about how they're still young. They're emotionally young and seeing her friend almost like jump out of childhood, mm-hmm. you know, 
and how she didn't want to do that. She wanted to go back. Let's go back to the way things were when things were simple and things were easy. And we were just kids on the river. And she and her, you know, her friend is being taken from her by a boy and thrust into this really adult relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, not, a bo- not, no, not a boy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, a man. Right? I yeah. mean... A, mm-hmm. Yeah, a teacher. He's okay. a character who I did not find likable, and I don't think at any point. The only Sorry. redeeming quality, and I don't even know that it's redeeming, but I wondered for a while, did he really love Katie? And I think that he did. I think he did, too. I don't know. Not appropriately. Yeah. I don't know. If, if he did, if he... Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Um well, I mean, he says that he really did, but he said it, but do his actions show that? That's Would true. he have basically said to her, this, again, a kid who was still a kid and not emotionally capable of handling a relationship with a man like him, I will lose everything. If people find out about I will lose my, I will lose my job, I will lose my reputation, everything will be taken from me. And in the end, ultimately, that's why she killed herself, yeah. because she was still a child, that's that's where I have a problem with him, because I, he's a horrible guy, um, and and not and like I think Lena discovers how horrid he yeah. is. Like when she's in his house and she realizes how messy it is, and and so maybe it's not love. Maybe there's this. Maybe it's that confusion of lust and love uh-huh. that starts to get swirled together. Um, and even if it is love, I guess this is where I land. Like even if it is, love, he's a teacher for goodness sakes. Yeah. Yes. Like he should know about children. Right. Right. If that that is his profession, mm-hmm. I can't excuse the his choice. And he says it somewhere in the book. There's a passage about where he talks about making the choice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he if he knew all of those things that he told her, which I don't know that he should have told her either. Like, mm-hmm. I can't go to prison. Do you know yeah. what they do to people who've been with young girls? Well, if if you can say those words out loud and you know that, then he as the teacher and adult even if he loved her that way should have made the choice in my my opinion Mm -hmm. not to violate that line that adult child line because wasn't she like six months away from being 16 which would have made her legal in um Scotland. Scotland. So, you know, I just think like if you're really an adult who really love, like real love, mm-hmm. then you say, I can wait six months. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but then that's also not reality, right? Like, you know, we do get caught up. People do get caught up and I don't know. I think he would flip it back just in thinking about it, I don't know if what I say I'm about, I'm thinking out loud, so I'm not sure where this, where I'm going to get with this. Um, but I think he would blame Katie for it. He would say, you used your powers on yes. me. You've convinced me that I should do this. And now I need, and so now you owe me the not getting caught part. And so that cannot be real love. It's true. You're right. You're right. Um, not trying to be right, but that's where I get, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just, I do not like him. Yes. Yeah. He, um, true. I am convinced. I'm convinced. I, I was on the fence for a long time. So, and maybe if he, or, or despite all of that, he could have just owned it once everyone mm-hmm. knew mm-hmm. there's something to be said for owning that mm-hmm. yeah. rather than 
absconding with Lena, like assaulting Lena yeah. and kidnapping her. Right. right. And then like that, that can't be the right way to respond. Even if you, you did all the wrong things for all the right reasons in the end, like own it. Mm-hmm. And it, and so people's pasts seem to haunt them a lot in this book or they come back up in a variety of ways like his this um though it doesn't say that he's had this exact same thing happen before there's indications that he's had had gotten into trouble in previous jobs yeah um i forgot about something else that i just thought about while you were talking was um you know i like lena but one of the things i struggled with but i don't know what i would have done if i were her and my best friend was doing this is that she didn't tell like when she knew what was happening with the teacher. She knew what Katie and the teacher were doing. The brother knew too. Mm-hmm. Josh knew that if it was getting bad, why she didn't just say anything. I know she told her mom or her mom overheard, right? Nell overheard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, you know, again, I, th- you know, I think going back to how young they were that she, you know, trusted her friend, trusted Katie she says she loved her so much. Mm-hmm. Katie asked her not to tell. And so, I, and so that is why she did it. Even after her death, mm-hmm. didn't tell. It wasn't until she was basically almost kind of forced to that she told. Um, that I, I struggled. I struggled with that. I think it, there's really something to that in a teenage mind. And yeah. I think it, it's coming up in a lot of young adult literature that I've that I read that the problem stems from a friend asking to keep my secret and then a person a young person feeling the need that that that, that promise to keep a secret is more important it is um somehow almost sacred mm-hmm. in some way and um I think that might be the way a teenage brain is wired mm-hmm. in some ways, um, or at least that's what literature wants us to believe. Um, but that makes me think about how important it is to have conversations with kids. Is okay. I'm going to go here. Mm-hmm. Is that more? Is it more prominent now um, in kids' lives now that are so public that mm-hmm. when there's a secret, it's you know when when if i ask you to protect a detail of who i am um and i put every other detail of who i am on instagram mm-hmm. um does that make it more precious probably probably um yeah. and perhaps also and i'm not suggesting it hasn't always been that way to a certain degree and that people aren't inclined to talk about the truth and all of that but i just wonder too if you know, we are so, we're so um, socially public in a kind of surface level way that I, I, f- I feel like maybe that also contributes to people's inability or um, disinterest in discussing depth face to face. Like, because, mm-hmm. oh, well, everything's out there. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, you know, there's nothing else we need to talk about. It's all out there. I don't know. And, I mean, mm-hmm. clearly that's always been something that has haunted people, but, um, I wonder if there's anything to that. Yeah, I think probably so. Cause it does like, it's, it's been, it's been interesting to me how prevalent that is recently and how I really want to have conversations with my own kid yeah. about, um, when someone asks you to keep a secret about something private and it's something that particularly is harmful to them. 
to that other person, um, how that, how dangerous that is mm-hmm. and how just the comp, the complications of that and see, see what she has to say and, and try to get to a good place about that. Yeah. That's tricky. Something about trusting your gut. Cause I mean, Lena said all along, it made her uncomfortable. Yes, everything I mean, about it, was, it. It was even more than just, she's got her first boyfriend. Mm-hmm. It was, and the boyfriend is a man who's our teacher. Yeah. You know, um, something about trusting your gut and when something makes you feel icky, yeah. someone older than you needs to know yeah. about it. Um, the problem was, and I think that's why Lena was so mad at her aunt was that for Nell, for Lena's mom, Nell, mm-hmm. um, Jules was the person she mm-hmm. was trying to reach out to, to mm-hmm. figure out what to do with this secret. And Jules and Jules being, angry because of a misunderstanding at at Nell. Um, You know, she, Lena believed she pushed Nell to, you know, harm herself because she didn't have anybody to talk to about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Very interesting. I Mm -hmm. think it was. People got to talk. We got to talk. So uh, (laughs) let's just talk. I think we're, we're at a place where we could talk about, Helen and Patrick, and then the end of the book. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but so because th- there are a lot of inappropriate relationships in this yeah. book, which I don't know, and, and I don't know what that means exactly. And mm-hmm. there's some, right? like, and there's some uncertainties about some of it too. Because if we think about Helen, Helen and Sean are married. Sean has this affair with, with Nell, um, and Helen knows about it. Sean's dad, Patrick, he knows about it. And he beats the mess out of Sean for it. Um, And after that point, Helen basically did not live with Sean, but lived with the father. She moves in with her husband's father. Mm -hmm. So they all live on the same land, right? So the the father lives. Mm -hmm. um, After his son gets married, he gives him his house and he moves into sort of a guest house or something on the same land. Mm -hmm. And so then after... Um, Sean's affair is discovered. Helen moves out of the main house and into, um, well, she at least sleeps there. It sounds like she like comes over and makes dinner mm-hmm. and does stuff like that in the the house, or the house she shares with Sean. But then she goes to sleep in the house with her father-in-law. And, and they diff- stay up and do crosswords. Yeah, neither one of them can sleep. They both yeah. have insomnia. So they just hang out together. Um, it's odd. Um, Nell, you know, is always described to kind of go back to that. She's always been, um, what society would call promiscuous. I mean, she's been very open with her sexuality. She's, Mm -hmm. she's said, she's told people, did she tell her daughter or did she tell her sister that she liked sleeping with married men because, um, she didn't have to be attached, you know, to them and all, which goes back to the first inappropriate relationship Was it the first, but her, that boyfriend who rapes her sister is, was clearly like raping her too right to a certain degree i mean it was their encounters were described as being very brutal looking mm-hmm. yeah. from jules point of view when she would see he was always like holding her shoulders down or like pushing her down mm-hmm. it, it grossed it gave me a sick feeling in my stomach mm-hmm. and we think we're not sure but we think that that's the father of lena right yes isn't that assumed he's the car dealer later who mm-hmm. yeah yeah 
Because Lena goes to confront him. I'm sorry. um, Jules Jules goes to confront him when she's searching for Lena. Mm -hmm. um, And um, she could see the resemblance. She sees. Yeah. So. So, you know, it's just interesting that like her. So um, Nell's entrance into adult sexuality is is very um, what unnatural, like tainted. It's violent and yucky. Mm -hmm. Katie's entrance into adult sexuality is not normal mm-hmm. right young girl older man um, jules too jules Being is raped raped, by robbie you know her entrance um and then helen and sean i never really get a sense of um you know of their their relationship before he has the affair except mm-hmm. that she is described as she's like the headmistress at school and she's described as being kind of cold yeah. and mm-hmm. Um, it's, I don't know if cold is the right word, but strict and firm and cold and a little bit asexual, she comes mm-hmm. off. And they don't have children. Right. Yeah. So, you know, he is attracted to Nell. Sean's attracted to Nell because she represents this kind of sexuality, I think, that had been absent in his marriage, maybe to a certain, mm-hmm. you know, to a certain degree. Something that, you know, would be a, a natural kind of thing, that being absent in his marriage, he might be you know, desiring that. So, um, I found that kind of, found that kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the book, um, so Helen's got this bracelet in her desk, Nell's bracelet. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, right. We believe Helen pushed Nell off the cliff. Yeah. Cause she has the bracelet. And ha- Cause she has the bracelet and spoiler alert. We should have given one a lot. Oh earlier, yeah, but yeah. whatever. Um, at the very the what the very last sentence yeah. mm-hmm. of the book, we find out who did it. Yeah, is says that Sean says he pushed her, mm-hmm. pushed her away or something. How's that read? Yeah, with my with the, my hands in the small of Nell's back, I pushed her away. So she's looking out over the cliff. Mm-hmm. Um. They're up there after having spent, after having had sex, right? Well, yeah, they, um, but then they drove there to talk about his mom. Mm. Like she's trying to get him to remember. And she asked him, did she cry out when she fell? Did you hear anything? So she's really trying to get the truth about what happened to um, her mom, um, his mom. And then he just, he pushed her. And want the truth. You know, want From the, truth. the back. I just think that's really interesting mm-hmm. detail. And so the bracelet came off then. Had to have come off then, right? Yeah. I'm just, I am really struggling with the tracing of the bracelet. And I tried to do it a little bit. Yeah, we tried to talk about it the other day. And we couldn't. I um Because they said it was torn off, but it's in one piece. And so it's in Helen's desk. Um, and Mark you, gets it. Mark gets it from Helen's desk at school. And Lena gets it, right? Lena gets it from Mark. Mm-hmm. The um, assumption is that it was left in the cabin. Oh, and that—that's how Helen got it for for a long time. But th- oh. but then that wouldn't be the case. Helen would have gotten it after Sean killed her. Yeah. He. So did he bring the bracelet back to her? Would he? Would she? Or like if so? Maybe Patrick found it in the cabin, right? And gave it to Helen. I hadn't thought about that. Well, there's one scene that I've I've, I've tried to go back and, and look at where 
Patrick went to the cottage and got a bunch of trash out of it, and then Helen ended up throwing it away. Do you remember that? I like put all this in the back of his car, car, Mm -hmm. and it was gone. Did she, I don't know, rummage through the trash and get it then? So that was all leftover stuff from like a night they had spent together, Mm -hmm. Nell and Sean. I guess I never really, I never really put that together. So if that's the case, and the and the bracelet was in the cabin. So Sean killed her, ripping the bracelet off her arm. Does that, did that happen? Or did Nell just take it off before she went to bed? Right. Know. So at the end, it doesn't say that. No. The, okay. All right. Because it's Sean who says, did he say I that it was ripped off of her? I thought that there was something about that. We'll have to go back and investigate. And then, um, and then one of the other characters said it couldn't have been ripped off because it wasn't ripped. The, the bracelet had me in, in fits for a while. I was trying to figure it out, and I could never get anywhere. And this is what is interesting about this book, what is? does anyone know when it came out, like what month it came out? It's, pre, it's really new, right? Was it just May, maybe? Yeah, I want to say it was like, was it May or was it June? June? I'm not sure. The thing know. that strikes me is there's nothing. I mean, there are reviews of it. On the internet, but there, there are is no plot summaries. There is very little information. Like this is the kind of book that you would anticipate people would go to the internet and make character lists and right. trace things out, and none of that has happened yet. May first, May first. Okay, so um, I wish someone had. <laughs> I really, I really wanted was it that. You all sitting with, and we were both typing in like into the water character mm-hmm. plot somebody tell us what happened yeah like i just wanted someone to have traced the bracelet for me because the little bit that i tried I, I got myself confused and i just didn't put that much time into Maybe it i'll go back and do that because <laughs> you could a bracelet like that i have the picture in my mind of what i think it looks like could come off a wrist could be pulled off a wrist and not break necessarily mm-hmm. and when does jules first see the bracelet does she not see the bracelet in the in Nell's bedroom at the be- very beginning of the book? Or am I remembering that wrong? Because she's looking for she's it. She's looking she for it. She specifically is looking for it because Nell always had it on. That's why I guess I assumed it must have been ripped off her was hand it, as opposed it was their to being mother's, left. wasn't it? Was right. it their mother's bracelet? Yeah. It was their mother's bracelet and Jules was mad that Nell had it. Right. When their mom died of breast cancer... Mm-hmm. Nell got the bracelet mm-hmm. and I think even made a comment to Jules like it looks better on me or something like mm-hmm. that yeah. right and um Jules was upset about that and but there's a miss who has the mistake in it so it has the mother's initials on it mm-hmm. but it also has li- the mother's initials also correlate with Libby's who was mm-hmm. a woman who died yeah. in the past mm-hmm. who is it that that is um who thinks uh, Nell wears it because of her connection to Libby. Well, I thought it was the lighter that said LS. Oh, you're right. It is yeah, the, that's lighter. the lighter. That's yeah. the lighter. Okay. I'm on a wrong track then. Okay. So LS is Libby. Was it really? The, the, was she, wasn't she the witch who was killed? But why? Okay. I'm going to. So things. Um, yeah, I don't. I There's can't, some exploration. That I can't needs put to that together. There. The light. I can't remember about the lighter. And in my head, the lighter um, and the bracelet kind of yeah overlapped. Wait, 
we thought, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm imagining this too, LS we thought was Libby, but it was really Sean's mom, wasn't it? Wasn't her, weren't her initials L? No, um, that would have been T. Townsend. No, but her maiden name. I think maybe. I think maybe. Actually, now that you're saying that, Mm -hmm. I think that might be the case. And that's why Nell had it. Mm -hmm. Because of the... Because of the background she was doing on um, mm-hmm. Sean's mom, I think mm-hmm. that is it. People assumed, um, Jules assumed that it was Libby, right? And was mad because she's obsessed with the witches and stuff. Mm-hmm. What we come to find out, it, those are the same initials. I think it's Nikki Sage who ends up having the lighter, remember? Yes. And, mm-hmm. and Jules is like, did you just steal that lighter? And she's like, shut up, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, she really is. She's like, whatever, just listen, I'm trying to tell you the truth. Because that's what she needed something from the dead to speak to yeah. them, right? And she was, was trying to, yeah, and she's trying to speak, she was trying to speak to Sean's mom to get the truth. And so she's like, yeah, whatever. But, and, and right. so she then tells Jules, no, it's not Libby. It's whatever Sean's mom's name was. Yeah. Um, and that's how that fits, I right. think, okay. together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the bracelet Jules is looking for, when she gets there. That's one of the first things she the looks first, for. That's one of the first things she mm-hmm. wants. Yeah. To, and, you know, presumably, I suppose, to put it on. And so this bracelet's missing the whole time. And Lena doesn't know where it is. And they ask. And there was nothing on the body. And no one knows. But it's weird because she never took it off. Like, I felt like, I'm not sure if it says she never took it off. But she always wore it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so then it's in Helen's desk. And so at the end for me and this is I, I don't I know you guys don't necessarily think this I think even though Sean says he pushed her and she's wanting to know about his mom I think there's something to I don't know to, to, to Helen. Helen it's her having the bracelet does not make any sense because Sean would have had to bring so it it could have been left in the cabin beforehand. We can explore right. that. It could. Or, but if if it came off later, if Sean had it from her before killing her, it's almost like he get like he's giving yeah. it to Helen as a token, like look what I've done for you. That's yeah. what, that's I don't know why, but I Ooh. had that feeling. And then can we just talk about the fact that at the very very end, when it goes to like flash forward, however many mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. Um, the. Um, I think it's weird that they go away together. Sean and Helen go away mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. So Patrick is arrested because he's he's going to take the fall yeah. now, which I find oddly out of character for him since he's so evil all the way he through. He is evil. I think but he's in the end, he lets himself go to jail mm-hmm. for something that he clearly knows his son did. Mm-hmm. So that's something. Um, that Helen and Sean go leave the town. They go somewhere together and then he leaves her like she wakes up one morning and he's gone and she knows he's never coming back what in the world is that i thought that was the weirdest thing yeah just like why why go away with her and then leave her i don't know that did i don't that doesn't make any sense to me is it he's trying to do right or he's trying to do the thing that he thinks is right or his dad has told him is right and it's it's just not who he is he doesn't Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to be with her and so he says um yeah i'm looking at the the last sean chapter he says i am not what i think i am i was not who i thought i was 
And he starts talking about how things, he starts to fracture, and he has this vision of who he was, the child of a suicided mother, a good man, and he married a decent and responsible woman, lived a decent and responsible life. It was simple, it was clear, but there were doubts in how, how things changed, how he had a memory, what he thought was a memory, and how everything was not what he thought it was. And in that paragraph, I think it's, I'm probably at the same place you are, where he says, she'll bring you low, my father said when he found out about Nell and me. She did more than that. She unmade me. Mm-hmm. If I listened to her, if I believed her story, I was no longer the tragic son of a suicided mother and a decent family man. I was the son of a monster. More than that, worse than that, I was the boy who watched his mother die and said nothing. I was the boy, the teenager, the man who protected her killer, lived with her killer, and loved mm-hmm. him. I found that man a difficult man to be. Ooh. So maybe he just, you know, he's just done. He just, he's unmade. He's been unmade. And so... Maybe he went and jumped off a cliff into some water. Probably not, but... I wish that he would. <laughs> I think. I wish he would. I don't know. I just thought... I, the, the image of Helen there left at the end. And so maybe that maybe that's the... Maybe that suggests that she did not, in fact, have anything to do with it. And maybe he... Nell made him a monster, and that's why he pushed her off the cliff. Yep. I don't know. What does he used the word fracture? Like he had this vision of his childhood, and she came in and just literally like mm-hmm. blew it up for him, and it changed. It rocked his world, and he turned into his father. In trying to uncover the truth, so that's an interesting topic. This is probably a long one, so I guess we should be almost done. But that's an interesting one, right? Like we we always say. You know, the truth will set you free and we sh- you should always strive for the truth. And the truth is the most important thing. And, you know, um, in this case, he lived with a lie for so long mm-hmm. that the truth destroyed him. Yeah. So are there times when maybe the truth is not, not the best thing? Yeah, that's tricky because on the one hand, while he didn't have the truth, was what was that doing? Was it hurting anyone else that everyone was living not in the truth? Right. So, I mean, obviously it hurt his mother because she was dead. But, um, right. Nell was a photographer and an artist, and mm-hmm. this was a project, right, for her? Yeah. Be- because they'd grown up right there, and they'd heard all the stories, so she turned it into a project. Mm-hmm. I think we were never told that she's doing it for any other reason other than just to try to f- find out, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could go back to the Nikki Sage and the witches and the truth and the whole, the drowning pools a way of getting rid of troublesome women. Mm-hmm. So maybe she is doing it for some like greater good. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, disregarding the like current people who would be negatively, negatively affected by this greater truth. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, so the truth for Sean is terrible. It's not the best thing for him. Ultimately, it's really hard and difficult to to know, to learn what he has to learn about himself and his family. And the father he thought who he thought was a good guy. Right. But is not. But it's perpet but it it's the bigger truth, the real truth is that it's perpetuating this whole belief about women mm-hmm. that 
um, a story that keeps getting retold as true that is not true that is affecting what, like history begins to repeat itself. That's that's right. So it becomes then it becomes like it becomes allegory, and Nell's trying to bust that open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, change the cycle, if you will. I mm-hmm. guess by yeah. mm-hmm. um, by exposing it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a. It reminds me of M Night Shyamalan. Or, you know, mm. how in the end of all, I'm thinking of one in particular where they all think that they're living in this particular time, like an earlier time. Oh, yeah. They're all just... The village. Is that what it is? Yeah. He's, I, lo- I love me some M. Night Shyamalan. He scares me. I don't watch it. I just, I just watched Split. Have you seen it? Uh-uh. It's good. I saw previews for it and stuff freaks me out. It's, n- it's not as bad as you think from the preview, mm-hmm. like, but it's... Uh, if you like a good twist, he always gives you a good twist. Yeah. Again, for sure. Um, right, this is a good one. I wonder what kind of movie this will be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be interested to see who takes it on. Like, who's going to produce and direct it? Mm-hmm. Um, this will be a... I think this will be a hard one yeah. to do mm-hmm. as a movie. Be, but, well, it's what, what will disappoint me is if all, just all of the sex gets played up. Like, right. Nell's going to be the scandalous... You know, like mm-hmm. they're they yeah. just play. They're gonna play that up and turn it into that, and and they're gonna, you know, uh, that's that's gonna bug me. But. Well, we'll have to see. Okay, no, you no, never no. know. Um. All right. Good talk, y'all. What are we reading Good next, Janine? What are we reading next? Oh, guess what? I have it right here. No worries. Oh, We're gonna it. read. Do you guys remember? Um, my name is Lucy Barton. Mm-hmm. Um, did we read that? Well, yes. we read that together, but we, that was long before we podcasted. Mm-hmm. So, but we're reading the same, uh, the next book or another book by that same author, Elizabeth Strout, mm-hmm. and it's called Anything is Possible. Now I ordered it. It should be in tomorrow. I got it on my iPad and started it last evening. Janine, you're almost done with it. 50 pages left. Woo-woo. Just because it's a, it's a quick one. All of hers are, all of Elizabeth Strout's are. Um, I think she might be... Among my favorite contemporary authors, mm-hmm. I did. Olive Kittridge definitely was one of my favorites mm-hmm. in the last several years. And um, uh, but if you liked Lucy Barton, mm-hmm. um, this is very much in the Lucy Barton universe. She might even make an appearance. Oh, cool! Oh. Spoiler. I enjoy. <laughs> I I really enjoy her style. Mm-hmm. She just is. She just. I don't know. Uh, it's it's atypical enough that it's interesting. Is she American? Paul Hawkins is from Britain. Mm. We've done a lot of British stuff lately, so that's why I was asking. This one is straight up Midwest Amgash, Illinois. I assume that's how you say it. So, yeah. We're we're back in in the USA for this one. Back in the USA. All right. Well, that is a wrap for today. So you guys check out Anything is Possible. We hoped you enjoyed our long talk today. But this was a very, a very good book. Um, Lots of things to to take a look at. So don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Hey, let's let's set a goal, Josie Campbell, of having a review to read at the beginning of the next show. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Have a good one.